The Holy Spirit works in and through what? The Word. If you don't have the Word as a regular part of your life, He has nothing with which to work. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in South Lake, Texas. Hello again, I'm Bill Wright, and Tom is concluding his current series with part eight of Watch Where You Step. As our series on biblical wisdom in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18 comes to a close, Tom will pick up where he left off last time as he examines further the essential work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. You'll learn more about the filling of the Holy Spirit, what exactly that filling consists of, and six practical ways you can cooperate with the essential ministry of the Spirit in your life, as you learn to avoid foolishness and instead walk in biblical wisdom. Let's join our teacher now, here on The Word Unleashed. Who does the filling? Who is the agent? Notice here the verb, be filled, is passive. That's true in both English and Greek, and if you remember just a little bit of English grammar, you know that a passive verb means that the subject of the sentence is not doing the action, but instead is receiving the action of the verb. So what's the subject of this sentence? Well, understood in the command, be filled, is you. You be filled. Paul does not say, you Christians, fill yourselves. He says, be filled. That means we don't fill ourselves. So the question is, who does? Well, the prepositional phrase that follows tells us, with or by the Spirit. Now, folks, if you ask most Christians based on this verse, what are we to be filled with, they'll say what? What is the content that is to fill us, they'll say according to this verse? The Spirit. Be full of the Spirit. That's the content that's to fill us. And for many years, I read this verse the same way. But that is definitely not what this text says. Nowhere else in the New Testament is this construction, the Greek construction used here, used with the verb of filling to say that the Spirit is the content with which you're to be filled. Instead, the phrase that's translated with the Spirit in our New American Standard Bible literally means by the Spirit. He is the agent. In other places, Paul uses that exact same construction, and it is translated by the Spirit. You can look at it later if you want in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Twice it appears there. The same thing in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, Romans 15, 16. In all three of those cases, exactly the same Greek construction, and it's by the Spirit. So then, we are filled by the agency or work of the Spirit. <coughs> A number of the best Greek commentators make this point, including... Uh, Harold Honer, who's now with the Lord, Daniel Wallace, eminent Greek professor, Peter O'Brien. Listen to Harold Honer. He writes, it is best to translate by the Spirit or by means of the Spirit. So we don't fill ourselves. The Spirit fills us with something. 
You say, well, what's our part then? If the Spirit does the filling, why is it a command to us? What are we to do? Well, notice the second half of verse 18 is a command. It is an imperative. By the way, it's plural. In the Greek text, it's very clearly addressed not to one person, but it's plural addressed to everyone in the church in Ephesus. In other words, this command is addressed to every Christian here this morning. This isn't just for the spiritual elite. This isn't for church leaders. This isn't for pastors. This is for every Christian. This is a command for you and for me. So, if we don't fill ourselves, what is our role in this crucial part of living the Christian life? Daniel Wallace, one of the foremost Greek scholars of our time, joins many other voices that I read and argues that the best translation of this Greek construction is this, permit or allow yourselves to be filled by the Spirit. The Spirit does the filling but we can hinder or encourage His work in us. How? Well, to fully understand that, we have to go to the core issue and ask the question, what actually fills us? The Holy Spirit does the filling. With what does He fill us? What is the content with which the Holy Spirit fills us? Well, chapter 5, verse 18 of Ephesians does not tell us what the Spirit fills us with. But we can pick up a couple of clues elsewhere. First, do you remember those passages in Acts that use this same word group and they speak of someone being full of the Spirit? In those passages, clearly the content filling their character was the Spirit Himself. So there's a sense in which the Holy Spirit is both the one who does the filling and He's what fills us. Let me just use an illustration from everyday life that will make it clear to you. The Holy Spirit is not only the one holding the, the lever of the, from the gas tank, filling our tank, He's also what flows through the tube and fills us, okay? So He's not only the one pumping the gas, He's also the gas that flows into our engine, as it were. But that illustration needs to end because the Spirit's not a liquid. You don't have a full tank of the Spirit, or a half tank of the Spirit, or a quarter tank of the Spirit, or you're not riding on empty. Remember, Paul means be full with the, filled with the Spirit in the sense of being under the influence of the Spirit. But what exactly does it mean to be under the influence of the Spirit like that? What does it mean? Well, Paul doesn't leave us wondering. He answers the question clearly in the parallel passage that was written at exactly the same time from the same jail cell. It's in Colossians chapter 3, and I want you to turn there. I want you to notice how this passage parallels Ephesians 5 and 6. Notice Colossians 3, the second half of verse 16. He talks about psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, Verse 17, he talks about thanksgiving in all things. Verse 18, the duty of wives. Verse 19, the duty of husbands. Verse 20, the duty of children. Verse 21, the duty of fathers. Chapter 3, verse 22 to 25, the duty of slaves. Chapter 4, verse 1, the duty of masters. Now, if you know anything about Ephesians, you know that is exactly parallel to what he deals with in Ephesians. So this section in Colossians is exactly identical to Ephesians 5, 19 to 6, 9. 
with one very important exception. Everything's identical with one exception, and that is how they begin. The central command from which all of those things flow is different in Ephesians than Colossians. In Ephesians 5, it's be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians 3, notice what it is in verse 16. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom. That means, by the way, that those two phrases are equivalent. To be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5 is exactly the same thing as letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within you because all of the things that flow out of them are identical. They were written at the same time from the same jail cell. So then what does Colossians 3.16 mean? This is the key to understanding what it means to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean? Let me translate it for you. Allow the message of Christ, both the one he preached and the one that was preached about him, to richly dwell within you. Now you tell me, where do we have the message of Christ? It's in the Scripture. It's in the Scripture. This is a command to let the Scripture richly or abundantly dwell within you. That is, let it be at home in your heart. Let the Scripture be at home, find a home in your heart. What does that mean? It means think about it. It means meditate on it. It means the Word of God should completely permeate and direct and control every thought. Now think about, this is what the Scripture says throughout, isn't it? Go back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, a verse that many of us have taught our children. You remember what it says? The book, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But in other words, you're supposed to read it all the time. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Let the word of God permeate you, Joshua. Psalm 1-2. What about the righteous man? His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he what? meditates day and night. It permeates him. It dwells in him richly. It finds a home in him. Psalm 119.11, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's like, it's like a tea bag. You know, I, I love both coffee and tea, and it's hard on a given day to decide which I'm going to drink. I have both in my office, and it's a, it's a weakness of mine, I guess. But I love tea, and I love loose-leaf tea, as well as bags. But let's say for a moment that you're, you and your mind are the hot water, and the Word of God is the tea bag or the loose-leaf tea leaves. Imagine for a moment if you took that tea bag or those tea leaves, and you just dipped them down in the water once and pulled it out, and I offered you a drink. Would you want it? No, you, you want that tea to stay in there for the required three minutes and let the, let the flavor permeate that water. You have to leave it in to steep. That's how it is with the Word of God. We're to allow it to be at home in us. We're to take it in and let it, let it permeate our thinking. 
by keeping it in our minds. It's not like coming to church and, you know, Sunday morning you sit here, you open your Bible and you take the tea bag and you tip it in the water of your mind and you pull it out and you go away. No, you can't live like that. As a Christian, you've got to let the Word of God steep in your mind so that it permeates your thinking. And then you will begin to live under its influence. That's what it means to be filled by the Spirit with the Word of Christ. Peter O'Brien, in commenting on Ephesians 5.18, writes, We are to be subject to the Spirit's control, which is tantamount to letting Christ's Word rule in our lives. John MacArthur, in his commentary, writes, Being filled with the Spirit is living in the conscious presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, letting His mind through the Word dominate everything that is thought and done. The filling of the Spirit is not some ecstatic or emotional experience, but a steady controlling of the life by obedience to the truth of God's Word. I mean, think about it. Because the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture, to be full or to be under the influence of the Spirit is to be under the influence of the Word. In fact, this is very important, listen carefully, the Spirit always, always speaks in and through the Word and never apart from the Word. You know, I hear people saying things like, you know, God spoke to me or God was telling me this or prompting me to do that. Well, it depends on what they mean by that. Here's a test of whether or not it's the Spirit that's talking to you. Is He recalling the Word of God to your mind and prompting you to obey it? If not, it's not the Spirit. Lest you think I'm sort of crawling out on my own here, taking this position, let me stand on the shoulders of more brilliant minds than mine. Listen to Martin Luther. The Word is the only bridge and path by which the Holy Spirit comes to us. The Word is the only bridge and path by which the Holy Spirit comes to us. He goes on to add, we do not gape up to heaven for Him as the unstable spirits and visionary enthusiasts do and separate Him from the spoken Word or the ministry of the Word, but we learn and know that He will, that he will be by and with the Word and lead us into all truth through it. For there is no other way to experience the Holy Spirit. John Calvin, the Holy Spirit so adheres to his own truth that he only displays and exerts his power where the word is received with due reverence and honor. God does not bestow the Spirit on his people in order to set aside the use of his word, but rather to render it fruitful. So let's bring it all together. Paul is saying to us, permit or allow yourselves to be constantly filled by the Holy Spirit or under the influence of the Spirit, and that influence will be carried out by filling you and your mind with the Word. What does this look like in real life? What is the, how does this flesh out tomorrow or later today in your life and in mine? Well, the Spirit revealed the Word. The Spirit inspired the Word. The Spirit gave us men and women who are gifted to teach and explain it to us. And then when we read it or when we hear it taught, the Spirit illumines our thinking. He opens up our understanding. He turns on the light of our mind to really get it. And then if we carry on our responsibility, we leave this place thinking about it. And we think about it, and when our minds are, are free to do whatever we 
need to do, then, or when, I'm sorry, when our minds are tied up with what we need to do, that's one thing, but as soon as our minds are free, immediately we take our minds back to that passage and we think about it and we, we meditate on it. And then, day after day, we're confronted with decisions. Today, you'll be confronted with decision after decision. Tomorrow, decision after decision of what we're gonna do. In those decisions, we are presented with a choice of obeying our fallenness or obeying the Spirit and the Word that we have thought about and learned. Let me, let me just make this real practical. Look back at Ephesians 5. Notice in verse 19, you're going to be confronted with a decision of whether you're going to be morose and in despair or whether you're going to sing and rejoice in God. Verse 20, you're going to be faced with a choice in circumstances of whether you're going to give thanks for those circumstances or whether you're going to complain and fight against God. Wives, verse 22, you're going to be faced day by day with the decision, am I going to submit my will to my husband's will or am I going to go out on my own and make my own decisions? Husbands, you're going to be confronted with, am I going to be selfish and think only of myself and what I want to do? Or am I going to be reminded by the Spirit of God that I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church and to sacrifice myself for her? You're faced with those decisions, one after the other. And if we decide to obey the word that the Spirit brings to our minds and reminds us of, then we are being filled by the Spirit. Or as Paul would say in other places, we are walking by the Spirit. So what exactly is our responsibility in all of this? You say, what do I do to cooperate with or to allow or permit the Holy Spirit to fill me with the Word? Let me give you some very practical things that you need to do. Number one, cultivate an awareness of the Spirit's presence. Cultivate an awareness of the Spirit's presence. Lloyd-Jones makes the excellent point that if you have guests staying in your home, Take for a moment, you have, you have folks staying overnight in your home. When you wake up the next morning, what's the first thing you do? You remind yourself, there are guests in my home. I probably should do things a little differently than I normally do. Maybe it means be quiet. Maybe it means put on a robe. Whatever it means. <laughs> it means something. It means uh, there are guests and I better behave differently. Lloyd-Jones, I think, rightfully says that we remind ourselves that Our minds are not our own. We have an abiding guest. And we remind ourselves with each morning that He, the Spirit of God, is with us. So be careful what you see and what you think and what you say and what you do and where you take the Spirit of God. Cultivate that awareness of the Spirit's presence. Number two, practice confession of sin practice confession of sin. Paul has already told us in Ephesians that by our sin, we grieve the Spirit in our lives. So we have to be in a pattern of confessing our sin or we are continually grieving Him. We will sin. And when we do, we need to confess it and seek forgiveness and seek to turn from it so that we don't grieve the Spirit of God and turn Him away from His work in our lives. Number three, Regularly expose yourself to the Word of God. Regularly expose yourself to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit works in and through what? The Word. If you don't have the Word as a regular part of your life, He has nothing with which to work. So read the Bible for yourself. Study it. 
Take it off the shelf and purposefully set aside time each day to be in the Word, to be thinking about the Word. Hear it taught. Get your iPod and download some podcasts of various good Bible preaching that will teach you and challenge your thinking. Study it for yourself. Meditate on it. That brings me to number four, which is meditate on the Word of God. Not only should you be exposed to the Scripture, but you need to think about it. Don't let the word meditation scare you. Remember, Paul tells us in in Colossians 3, let the Word of Christ abundantly be at home in your heart. That's what it means to meditate. It just means think about, choose intentionally to think about the Scripture in order to better understand it and to think how to do it. That's all meditation is. Intentionally choosing to think about the Scripture in order to better understand it and to discern how to do it. Number five, follow the Spirit's lead. When the Spirit brings to mind that Word of God that you have heard taught, that you've learned, that you've thought about, in that moment of decision, He brings it to mind, choose to follow the Spirit's prompting. Make up your mind now that when that moment comes, when the Spirit reminds you of your responsibility before God, through the Word of God, that you're going to choose that rather than the way of your flesh, the way of your fallenness. And finally, number six, and this is really the main point Paul is making, cultivate an attitude of complete dependence. Cultivate an attitude of complete dependence. That's what Paul is encouraging here. A completely dependent spirit on the Spirit of God. If you're going to grow, if you're going to worship, if you're going to have healthy relationships, all of that is going to flow out of the work of the Spirit in your life because you and I don't have the ability to live out the Christian life. But what do we do? We skip verse 18 and we go to all these other commands as if we had the power to do them. We don't have the power to obey God on our own. Augustine was right. Oh, holy God, when your commands are obeyed, it is from you that we receive the power to obey them. John Calvin was right when he wrote, the increase of everything good in us comes from the Holy Spirit. Our only hope of obeying God's commands is if God gives us the power And that power will always come to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, using the Word of God in our hearts and minds. And it is a work we can either encourage or we can hinder. Cultivate that spirit of dependence. You can do what? Nothing. Without Christ and His Spirit. Paul says, brothers and sisters, allow yourself, permit yourself to be filled by the Spirit with the Word. Let it find a home in your mind and heart. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed. And that concludes our current series titled, Watch Where You Step. Tom will have a new series for you next time, and we do hope you'll join us then. But Tom, while topics like these are at times controversial, They are crucial for believers to wrestle with, aren't they? You know, Bill, it is so important for each of us to come to the Scripture like the Bereans. You remember Luke in Acts 17 praises the Bereans for listening even to the Apostle Paul 
and then taking what they heard and measuring it against the Scripture. That's what we have to do. I encourage you to do that with what you've heard today. I encourage you to do that with what you've been taught in the past about the filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to wrestle with the text of Scripture with a desire to learn and to obey. Come with a heart that says, Lord, teach me and help me to respond to your truth, whatever I find there. That's really what we need to pursue is the biblical wisdom that deepens our faith and ultimately grows our love and obedience for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks, Tom. And friend, we want to let you know that Tom has a new book out titled The God Who Hears, a book of pastoral prayers. It features 31 scripture readings and accompanying pastoral prayers. Tom's book is available for purchase right now online at thewordunleash.org. As always, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory explaining God's truth.